Well, hello there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tarvalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe a frothy ale. The light. Why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. Hello, and welcome back to our recap of New Spring. I'm here with my friend Tracy. I'm here with my friend Amber. And this is The Road to Tarvalon, a Wheel of Time podcast recapping the books, uncovering fan theories, discussing the upcoming TV show on Amazon Prime, and unpacking the many intricacies of this incredible series. And today we are concluding our notes and discussions of last week's episode where we went through chapters 11 through 14. Is that right? Of yes. New Spring? Yes. Uh, yeah. And we got through the recap and then realized we still had a lot we wanted to talk about. So, <laughs> so that's what we're going to do Yeah, there was a lot to discuss. Yeah. Those were pretty hefty. I mean, as far as the New Spring chapters go, those were pretty packed full of good stuff yeah and the other thing that we're gonna do is like towards the end of the episode um there was a really fun twitter interaction recently i asked people like if they had or had not read new spring and why and there were so many fun responses that i kind of just wanted to like slip some of them into our episode today and talk about them because i love hearing stories about why people are into this and what they've done like what order it's always they good read to it in. hear yeah it's always good to hear how other people are doing things mm-hmm. because i feel with new spring it's so different some people you know some people have read it some people don't want to read it mm-hmm. everybody has an opinion <laughs> yeah they really do and like i think overwhelmingly people liked it so that was kind of fun um but anyway we're gonna have that at the end and i think that's I think that's the whole episode, right? Yeah, and that's that. That's that. We do we do want to say though, special special thank you to Cheyenne Sadai from Weaves of the Wheel community. She's our mod. Yay! Yay. <laughs> <laughs> and she's been so helpful and she's our own little personal moderator angel. So thank you, Cheyenne, <laughs> for helping us out. We are definitely not the savviest most yeah, we're not so savvy with Discord yet. I've been playing around with it for a couple of weeks now, though, so I'm getting the hang of it. But it's it's such a nice way to interact with people. And you can always send us a message on either of our Twitters or mm-hmm. Instagram, and I can send you a link to our Discord channel if you'd like to join us. And we would like for you to join us. Yeah. Just so We've you know. We've had some really fun interactions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've enjoyed it. I always feel kind of, um, I think I have a bit of social media anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's normal, though. Is it? Okay. And I don't know how long I was on Discord where I was just reading what other people wrote and kind of just felt like a stalker. (laughs) I don't really have anything to add, but I like to see what you're saying. That's fun. Yeah. I try I try to be like interactive when I can, but life is busy. Anyway. Indeed. Yeah. 
So thank you for the help in setting up our new Discord channel. And I will probably be posting something soon to our social media as well. And just kind of sticking that where hopefully people can find it. I might just pin it to our our Twitter accounts. Maybe that might work. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, if you're on um, the link, the Discord channel for... Um, it's one of the Discord channels for Wheel of Time community a lot of people post their Discord channels there on one of the sidebars, so mm -hmm. that's another option. But that's really nice too because you can find so many. And there, one of the mods there, I think Zool, Zool, <laughs> she is amazing, and she was super helpful when I joined there too. She's like, if you need any help, message me, and I'm like, I'll probably need help. <laughs> <laughs> There's not yeah. really a maybe around this. It's... No, but how awesome. I mean, just so far, it's really amazing all of the interactions we've had with people, you know, Twitter, Discord, Instagram. Mm -hmm. It's just mind-blowing how, you know, it's it's like a family. It is. I really appreciate the way that the content creators have been like coming together and talking about their projects and asking questions because I'm sure that the number of people who are like actual sound engineers in real life putting together a mm -hmm. podcast is minimal would be my guess. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a question the other day and some, someone asked, um, how are you soundproofing your studios? And I'm like, <laughs> a wall of pillows. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> That's not true. Um, I do ask for my husband to take care of our six-year-old while we record, which he does, and he's That's lovely your about sound That's proofing. my soundproofing. <laughs> it's not always 100% um, because Arthur does like to run back here and see what's going on, and I'm totally fine with that. Uh, but I also don't close my windows, especially on days like today. Like, it's rainy and lovely, and I'm like, yeah, I don't – if my mic picks that up, maybe somebody else is as big of a fan of rain as I am. It's there. It's fine. It might be kind of nice, though. Right. Some, some quiet, you know. A little bit of ambiance. raindrops. Yeah. yeah. I was like, hmm. I've got church bells to worry about. <laughs> Honestly, they so rarely pick up. <laughs> That's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. Um, and, oh, another thing that we noticed, um, with our podcast on Anchor, we are able to look up and see where the majority of our listeners are from. Yep. And I just have to read this off <laughs> because it's it's insane. This is not something that we expected in the least. Nope. I mean, I, I assumed that it would just be the majority of people from English-speaking countries, obviously, mm -hmm. because we're speaking English right now. But these are these are the countries from where our view or our listeners are from. So, the majority is from English-speaking countries: United States, United Kingdom, Australia. But then this is where it gets interesting: the Netherlands, Canada, Brazil, Colombia, Sweden. Germany, Norway, South Korea, India, Bulgaria, Belgium, <laughs> Israel, Finland, Turkey, Philippines, South Africa, Italy, Portugal, Chile, and Singapore. Uh, uh, Holy shit, guys. 
You have no idea how Tracy and I just freak out every time we see another country flag pop up on our analytics. We're like, ah, <laughs> India, Singapore. It's so crazy. And it, you, it makes me feel so happy inside because this is just not something that we even had thought about, really. Yeah. And that's another thing, too, that I'm really trying to make sure that since a lot of our listeners aren't from English-speaking countries. I want to make sure that we're speaking clearly and that we're not garbling our words. <laughs> I know a lot of people say that American accents sound like we have a mouthful of chewing gum. <laughs> so this, I, I promise this will be something that I'm keeping in the back of my mind when we record. <laughs> You're so thoughtful. Well, and you also live in Germany, so for you, the the European measurement system is it oh, yeah. is it really just is it really just America that like goes off of whatever system yeah. it is that we use and the rest of the world uses something different mm-hmm. what the yeah, fuck like, is up with that I don't get it miles per hour I don't know any if what other countries use miles per hour I really I don't think it is any and I think Fahrenheit versus Celsius mm-hmm. yeah that's a that's an issue yeah and so I like but. it when you remember to like swap things so that people can follow I'm along. You're doing great. I'm trying. You're doing a great fucking job. I tell myself like that ten times a day. You're doing a great job. Yep. I think everyone should tell themselves that. Mm-hmm. Emphatically, mm-hmm. even when it doesn't feel like it's true. I can't believe that we're already in October. <gasps> it's my favorite month. This is my like. This is my favorite time of the year. It's cozy mm-hmm. inside. Grab a book. Weather. Yeah, it's scarf weather. It's changing colors of leaves. Weather. It's drizzly, beautiful gray weather. It's let's go romp in the woods. Weather. <sighs> For me, it's let's start a reread of Eye of the World weather. <laughs> I have to say, just within the first couple chapters, I'm finding things that I'm like, how did I miss that? How did I not see that? Yeah. There's some crazy things that, for one, okay, when Moraine gives Rand his coin, mm-hmm. and she's like, well, I, I'll ask you for help with something later, and they're all like, yeah, okay. And Rand thinks to himself, like, in this moment, he would do anything for her. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait a minute. That sounds awfully <laughs> compulsion-y, Moraine. <laughs> Did you just pull, like, compulsion light? <laughs> Is that a thing? I almost spit coffee out. Thanks. <laughs> but, we know, but we know she knows some forbidden weaves, right? Yeah. Because she balefires the dark hounds, mm-hmm. and that's a forbidden weave. I don't think they teach that in the tower. Yeah. Well, and I'm reading, I just started Path of Daggers uh, earlier this week, and I just got through like the beginning of it where Varen is um interrogating i know right she's such an underappreciated character and like every time i read her after getting through the series and like what she does and it makes so much more sense her inner talk especially in that Mm -hmm. really brief thing but 
her putting together compulsion was so labor intensive compared is to that like her only point of view chapter possibly there might be a couple Ooh, i don't know that's a really good question but yeah she like, scared me in the beginning she just I, I felt like something was off yeah i think i was always a little intrigued by her like there's just too much happening the, around her that i was like what's your deal lady i want to know it's mysterious yeah which is one that's of the what made me I so scared <laughs> Every time she would pop up in a chapter, I'm like, no, 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 no. She's going to do something. Mm -hmm. What is she going to do? And then nothing happens. And you're kind of left like with a cliffhanger. Yeah. Like where where you're at when she uses compulsion that first time. That's when I was like, oh, she's she's bad. You can't use compulsion. <laughs> she's bad. Well, and she she mentions in the chapter how or in like that little section, how most women who come to the tower who are known as the Wilders, they have mm -hmm. honed on their own one of two skills. And one is eavesdropping and the other is compulsion related. And so she's like interviewed all of these women to like find out what their little tricks were so that she can mm -hmm. try to piece something together. And reading over what it was taking her to do to make compulsion happen, even to like just that tiniest extent all i could think of is mo gideon walking into like the private dining room that nynaeve and elaine have like in whatever city they were in maybe it was tanchico i don't remember and just yeah. like boom, oh my god instant compulsion <laughs> and like so here's varen like it's gonna take me 45 minutes to do this and mo gideon just walks and is like what's up bitches like <laughs> compulsion yeah compulsion. and compulsion. so like i don't know if i had ever looked so starkly at like the difference between what the forsaken are capable of doing and what the Aes Sedai of the third age are still just kind of hobbling together and trying to figure out but yeah well, I think something I think one of the things that really goes into it is how strong in the one power someone is mm -hmm. because we have instances where we know if you're really, really strong in the one power, you can see a weave one time yeah, and then know how to do it instantaneously. And then you have people like Avienda where she can see a weave and then she can almost like reverse it, mm -hmm. like pick the weave apart, yeah. like untangle it. I just read that part too. And what? I just read that part too where everybody freaks oh. out at Avienda <laughs> undoing the the weaves for the, the gateway that she made. That Oof. was crazy. I thought they were going to die there. Yeah. I didn't think they were safe in that situation. And that was a big explosion. I don't, that one didn't explode. I think there's another one oh, that she does okay. later on that, that explodes because I was expecting that too. So I know that it happens. I just don't, this wasn't the moment where it happens, but everybody still like freaks the fuck out over her like undoing that weave. It's kind of funny. Well, yeah. And that just shows too how strong and intelligent. Equaine is, you know, in the last battle where she's like, oh, Balefire, mm. it's just a weave. Like, what's the opposite of Balefire? Like, for every, co you know, coin, there's another side. Mm -hmm. So let me just, like, switch it up and reverse it. Reverse Balefire. <laughs> You're like, holy shit. But that just shows how strong Egwene is. And I think, you know, there's obviously a difference between, like, strength and 
dexterity with the weaves, mm-hmm. how someone can control and kind of interweave these weaves. That's so interesting that they actually call it weaves because it's like knitting, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Sewing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Which which is also funny because that's such a stereotypical female thing. Yes. And women are supposed to be the ones that are more um, can do the more complicated um, like finite, small Mm -hmm. uh, detailed work. Yeah, yeah. But what's interesting is Egwene Egwene did that and then you have someone like Nynaeve who just is like she's seen healing and this is where it comes back around to Varen where she can pick up and see things one way and kind of think like how can you change this a little bit to make Mm -hmm. it something else where Nynaeve was just like oh I saw healing once and then I'm like oh okay I'm gonna go ahead and heal you know stilling and gentling (laughs) don't mind me (laughs) yeah it's just crazy yeah oh this series yeah there's so much there's so much but what it's funny to think about is Moraine is actually a wilder. She had learned weaves before she was in the tower. Yep. So Yeah. And like apparently the the sister that was in the palace in Kyrian, like mm-hmm. kind of helped Maureen I don't how realize, she, conceptualize. Well, her. she knew that she knew that Moraine was figuring it out. And so she kind of helped guide her almost in the same way that Maureen does for Gwen later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but she also helped to make it so that when Moraine did get to the tower, no one knew. And so she avoided the stigma around being a wilder. And I thought that okay. was really interesting, too, because, I mean, it's another example of, of what power and connections do and how, like, yeah. she's the niece to the king. And, of course, she can kind of, like, sweep it under the rug that she already started channeling on her own. And her trick was the yeah, eavesdropping that's like trick. A, yeah, that's like, um, I don't know, a lot of people in the United States, you know, they'll want to send their kid to a really prestigious college mm-hmm. and they might know someone in the administration's office or something. So having these connections, we see these connections, you know, in our wheel of time world that kind of mimic real life. Oh, man. I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm all about networking and making really good connections and using them to my benefit. <laughs> <laughs> or my families. We're going to network. Yeah. Like, when Aiden decided to come out to Purdue Fort Wayne instead of staying at Ball State, um, everyone knew who he was before he got there because he was my son and he was going hey, into the history Tracy's department. Son. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it just – knowing people I don't know it there's there's power in knowing the right people and like the benefits that can come from it and I don't know use your power for good people be a more rain in this world yeah (laughs) (laughs) we need more more rains in this world I agree do we want to jump into like our discussion topics cool where we left off last episode was right um before our you know, spoilery discussion topics from chapters 11 through 14. What was chapter 11? Do you remember the title of chapter 11? Just Before Dawn. Oh, cool. You're so good. So one of the things that we were wanting to talk around is the raising ceremony and how this gives us another glimpse into the world of the Aes Sedai that we rarely have seen before. Yeah, 
it's so um it's such a good like behind the scenes look yeah and i appreciate that because i mean they play such a major role in the series of course you could go into so much detail on so many different groups inside the wheel of time series and anytime like i really i really wish there would have been more prequels that would have given us even more details oh my gosh if we would have got you know tam mm-hmm. and what's the mother's name carrie Ka- carrie mm-hmm. yeah or i mean I- i'm really just interested in this whole aiel war i want to know what's going on mm-hmm. and now in New Spring, it's basically over. Yeah, we get so. we get like what like the last remnants of the battles, and it's like, yeah. oh, well, that was fun. Thanks for joining. Right. <laughs> I, cool. I really thought that there was going to be a lot of that in there, but I guess not. No. And where we left off with Lan is he's like, well, we're just going to stay away from heading toward anywhere near Tarvala Tarvalin because I don't want to run in, into any Isodies, and I'm like, oh, Lan. Okay. <laughs> Considering this book is about you meeting um, Moraine, I don't think that's going to happen, my poor, my poor, poor friend. And you know what's fun about it is you know that moment's happening. Like, you know that that's what's going to come up. But you're not 100% sure how it's going to happen, that the two of them are going to cross paths and what's going to happen. Right, are they just going to meet on the side of the road and be like, hey... Hey. Yeah. I <laughs> you know. I think there's something in one of the books where he says something about how she tried to like dump throw him in a pond. Yeah. Or yeah. Yeah. Where <laughs> he throws her in a pond. I don't remember. Yeah. But, but. I, so but <laughs> whatever is gonna happen, it's gonna be fun to read. So I I can totally understand the feeling of yeah, but you know Moraine is going to be fine, and you know Swan's going to be the Amaryllin seat. And, like, you know all these things about all mm-hmm. these people already. You know, is it worth it I'm to read it? I'm curious to see if Swan is actually the Amaryllin by the time this book ends. Yeah, and I just don't know. I feel, because I mean. I don't know either. She's wearing, I think she'd been wearing the shawl for at least 10 years when she became Amaryllin. I don't remember. But there's definitely going to be, like, a fairly long gap in there between Swan becoming Aes Sedai and Swan being the Amaryland Seat. So, yeah. I'm just excited to see, you know, how the Eyes and Ears network is going. Or, since now where we're at, at Chapter 14, Moraine has left, Mm -hmm. do we get back to the tower at any point? Mm. I mean, it's a possibility we don't. That's a good point. Well, and he was supposed mm. to do, like, three prequel total. Like... That would have been so cool. I know. That would have been so interesting. And he's got all of his notes, and some part of me is, like, anyone who does fan fiction, like, how could we, like... <laughs> how could we... And, be, and I'm fairly certain his notes have been digitized. Like, I found them on... Um, mm. This is this is where we give a little bit of props to uh, people who do public history and stuff. You know, I'm a history major. That's my focus. Like somebody like. Is it on tour? Is it on the publishing? I think it's on. I, I think it it's on the College of Charleston's library. Oh, like okay. he donated all of his notes to the university that he graduated from, I believe. I think it's mm-hmm. in Lauren's video. I think it's in one of the unraveling okay. pattern videos. Anyway, he's just got like tons and tons of notes on what he's done. And it would just be so awesome if someone could like 
I know that um, the Dusty Wheel YouTube channel has episodes just on Robert Jordan's notes, mm -hmm. but I haven't been able to check any of them out yet. I need to, but when I saw that they were there, I couldn't watch it because I wasn't finished with the oh, series. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I couldn't spoil myself. So a lot of, you know, these podcasts and YouTube channels, I had to wait until I was done with everything yeah. to actually watch much. Yeah. I think I'm, yeah. I want to kind of, I'll have to check out those videos because I am, I am all about research. I'm all about like archives and making sure that things are available to the public and like the whole digitizing archive movement is like Ooh. that's I mean maybe we can make a top 10 moments like our favorite mm. Robert Jordan's note section like, <laughs> what's your favorite thing you've seen I'm curious though because yeah on Lauren's video when he talks about just Robert Jordan's notes, mm -hmm. Lauren, I'm talking about Lauren from reading the pattern. It's unraveling. Unra or unraveling the, the pattern, pattern yeah. excuse me. And um, he's saying just the notes alone, are are they longer than yeah. the series I, itself? Or like at least equal to. It's equal to or greater. Gosh. I know, crazy. right? Like part of me feels like this is this like door that I just want to push open and behind it is going to be like this like magical <laughs> universe just waiting yes. to unlock itself like and there are so many directions the story could go like I don't know it's so fun for 11 just kind of getting this the raising ceremony and then it ends with the mice in the bed mm -hmm. it's a pretty it's a pretty kind of cut and dry yeah it was a pretty chapter. yeah the only thing that I found in there um, is that there is Jeanne Cade is Black Aja, um, and she's of part course. of, of course, because they're fucking everywhere. Um, but she's part of the group that escorts Moraine and Swan to Tamara for the raising ceremony. And it's not known at that point if she's Black Aja or not. She's green. Um, and apparently she hates men, which I thought was kind of interesting. <laughs> And she's also, like, later on, she's part of the group that leaves with Leandrin. Lyandrin? However you say her name. She's not cool. She's awful. No. <laughs> I'll super simplify no. it. <laughs> the actress that, I believe the actress that's supposed to play her on the show is just fabulous. She's, if it's, so. if it's the actress I'm thinking of, she's in Harlots. Have you watched Harlots? Oh, my God, so fucking good. The costumes <laughs> and like I it just it's it's so good. Harlots has like all of these various levels of brothels in London during the 18th century. And I think they were like one in four women had to turn to prostitution in order to be able to survive. And like these are the things that like they would go through. But OK, she's such God, I wish I could remember her name in the show. Kate. Kate Fleetwood is the actress. Yeah, she has, like, dark hair in a role. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, she's great. She's really pretty, too. Mm -hmm. She has a really strong presence, I feel like. Her cheekbones are to die for. No kidding, Good right? God, woman. So I'm excited pretty. to see that she's going to be in the series because I really enjoyed her in Harlots. So anyway, so we have Black Aja that's working on 
being whatever. And I think, I don't know if there were any other mentions of Black Aja in the chapters that we went through. Um, As we go through a little bit more, I think so. Is there another one? Or a little someone, later on? That, or someone that's not yet Black Aja, but we know from later that they are. Okay, okay, good to know. Um, chapter twelve is entering home, mm-hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> this is where they get shown their new rooms, their new quarters, mm-hmm. and what's something that I. What they, what I thought was really interesting is when they go to, they have their meeting with um, Edith, Mm -hmm. the first selector, and she's explaining, you know, the, um, the, the power. um, Yeah, the hierarchy around like how how powerful a woman is, and she's really uncomfortable about it. And part of me wonders. Like, if the reason why she's uncomfortable around it is that I'm pretty sure Moraine and Swan will be more powerful than her. Exactly. And so... Because they they can see how much potential you have. Exactly. And so, like, like, that was one of the things that I kept kind of expecting to come up in, like, the conversation that happened in that section, but it never did. But, like, I think... Go ahead. Oh, what I think is so interesting, though, is that I guess it's it's also kind of sad, but just imagine what it's like being one of the one of the women with the lowest power, you know, in your Aja. Yeah. So when I believe I think her name was Cabriana was showing them to their rooms, yes. she was being very deferential. Odd. Yeah. And. Later on, you know, they piece together, oh, it's because we're much higher in the power than she is. Mm -hmm. But can you, this is just another one of those things that we had talked about earlier about how things in the White Tower might have possibly worked against it. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those things where, you know, in the Aiel, you know, wise one culture, it's not structured based on how strong your power is. Exactly. And, and when when the Aes Sedai are, you know, trying to understand, they're just like, these Aiel are weird. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't get how this works. Mm-hmm. Like, the power structure is just too confusing and we don't get it. Yeah. And then here within the White Tower, you know, if you are so very low in the power, but you're still an Aes Sedai you're shit, you're nothing, you're yeah. no one. Yeah, And the only person that you could boss around would be an accepted or a novice. And I feel like that's where this, like, animosity, it, it gets so clicky and unhealthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Um, I actually, so I took, I took this picture from my nook last night, um, and it's from Avienda's point of view, and she's observing, like, the way that the Aes Sedai behave and whatnot. And it says, Avienda herself found it peculiar. How could strength and the power something you were born with as surely as your eyes weigh more heavily than the honor that years could bring? Um, 
And I thought that was such a good, like, super, and that, that's in Path of Daggers. Um, Avienda with her insight. Yeah. You know? And, I mean, getting more of an insight into how the Aiel work is really nice in those moments because you, you see that. And it's it's also in the with the Windfinders. Like, for them, it's mm-hmm. not based on strength. It's based on rank as they work their way through the chain mm-hmm. of command on their ships. And so I said I do this in such almost like a a backwards and derogatory way where it's like and it also allows Elaine in um what's the one before this one a crown of swords when like the Aes Sedai get all pissy with her and Nynaeve for like doing certain things and they're like you're gonna be punished and like blah 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 and Elaine all of a sudden is like oh yeah but by the way I'm stronger in the power than all of you and I'm here on the orders of the Amaralyn you claim to have allegiance to so that also puts me above anything you want to do and was this when they're in saladar and this is when they're in ibudar and they're okay this was Nynaeve though right no it was elaine yeah like she was i'm sure Nynaeve at some point as well put them down but like i wish i could find okay it. but she basically yeah she, she just finally that. puts her foot down mm-hmm. and so like the hierarchy of the of the tower would have meant nothing if it were something different. Like they would be able to be like, well, sorry that you're stronger, but I've been a nice to die for like a hundred years and you should just sit your ass yeah. down because you're a child. You know, you would think that age would come into it as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at someone like Cad Swain, like, yeah, she's pretty damn powerful. Right. But not on, on top of that, she's so old and she's been around for forever. Yeah. So, when she comes into contact with almost any other Aes Sedai, they're basically, like, cowering. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, my God, like, she's a, leg- a legend, mm-hmm. you know, like, Catswain, Catswain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I, I personally, if, if I were, like, among those groups, I would rather be judged for my years in my wisdom as opposed to how strong I was in the power. It does right. come in handy for our main characters like Nynaeve and Elaine and Egwene that they are all like shockingly. So, yeah, yeah. Like they're like, oh, someone of their strength hasn't been seen in like a thousand years. And so like mm-hmm. that does play to their benefit later on. But it does seem just kind of cruel in some ways. Well, I think, too, that would be such a great way for you know dark friends to recruit mm-hmm. you know and it does like, seem to have worked like sharian became sharian became black aja because she wanted power and there were only right. so many roots available for her to have power inside the white tower so mm-hmm. yeah i think it definitely like pushes that and i mean we we talk about how the black aja is just fucking everywhere in the tower it just it's insidious. It's <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, let's I, see it, here. It, it makes me wonder where this power deference system came from in the first mm. place, or if it was just always like this. Mm-hmm. Because during the Age of Legends, like everyone was super powerful. Yeah. So how confusing would that be? You would be almost on the same level, it seems like, as so many others. So I wonder if it would have something to do with, like, 
the need to survive during the breaking. Like the strong survive and yeah, that's a really good idea. Like almost see what something I thought that kind of ties along with that is you could see it as something like a military, like wartime mm, type mm-hmm. thing where you're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to group you up and someone has to be in charge of each group. So it's always going to be the person who's the strongest. So like form a line there mm-hmm. at the front of the line always. Yeah. Mm. Because it kind of, I mean, it kind of reminds me of how you know things have gone in u.s history when you have like a wartime president Mm -hmm. they can kind of make those decisions that typically you wouldn't be able to make only under extreme circumstances Mm -hmm. so hmm interesting and too i guess you know you wouldn't I, I'm sure the reason they're not allowed to talk about it as accepted or novices is because you wouldn't want them pulling rank on an actual Aes Sedai. Mm, good point. Yeah. And so the Aes Sedai that are very low in the power have someone to take their frustration, frustrations <laughs> out on. <laughs> you know, because if you're that low in the power, you you probably wouldn't want to stick around very long if you didn't have power over anyone yeah I mean if you were just treated like crap the whole time and forced to do the work that no one else wants to do Mm -hmm. it's a very strange kind of setup and I see how it works but I don't necessarily think that it's the most positive or healthy or it makes you know it makes way too many clicks and yeah. fights, you know. Mm-hmm. I agree. We, um, we did talk about how the channeling strength isn't just you. You can actually see what your tra- channeling strength will be in the future. Mm-hmm. And something that's really cool is pretty. Uh, it's not super early in on the eye of the world, but. At one point, Moraine makes a reference when she's with Nynaeve, Nynaeve and Egwene mm-hmm. is that the differences between their channeling capabilities were the difference between a lit candle and a raging bonfire. Yeah. And this is just what Moraine can see, mm-hmm. you know? And what is so funny is I think that's so poetic because when you think of Egwene, I would see her as like a lit candle, like very calm and collected. And Nynaeve is most definitely a raging bonfire. That is accurate. <laughs> that is super it's accurate. so accurate. Yeah. And how cool of, you know, a little moment of foreshadowing is this? Because we don't see, you know, an eye of the world. We don't get to see Nynaeve, Nynaeve or Egwene channeling, mm-hmm. really. So they have their little practice moments with Moraine, but... Yeah, so just that one little line there really gives you a big, big look into how things are going to go in the future. Yep. And, yeah. It's exciting. And it I is. never get tired of the series. It's so so weird <laughs> and wonderful. 
Um, you wrote this down in our notes, and I think it is yes, such yes. a good because, question. Because Moraine, they are trying so hard to get her to take the Sun Throne, and they're being such sneaky shits about it. <laughs> and Moraine, having played, having come from the land of the Game of Houses, mm-hmm. you cannot pull this over on her. Mm-mm. They totally underestimated her. 100%. So, they're trying to basically trick her into, not even trick her, but just push her towards taking the seat of the Sun Throne. Mm-hmm. And she is just totally against it. I think she's even having like nightmares she is. thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And there was only, um, it, it gets brought up at one point where they're talking to Elaine Mm -hmm. and they say, um, you know, you're, you'll be the first Aes Sedai queen since before Arthur, Arthur Hawkwing Mm -hmm. or something of that nature. And Moraine is thinking back to a time where there were queens who were Aes Sedai and how, how it basically fractured the nation Mm -hmm. And during her test for the shawl, she's, you know, seeing these, you know, um, townspeople trying to, you know, kill her basically Mm -hmm. like an angry mob because of the fact that, you know, an Aes Sedai as a queen is such a polarizing, you know, figure. Yep. And so here's, here's just one of the things that I think makes a lot of sense that I haven't seen brought up a lot and it's the lifespan issue. Yep. Because we see with the Aes Sedai that they're living so long. Hundreds of years. Some of them, yeah, some of them are living for 300 to 400 years Mm -hmm. um, and then some of the kin much longer. Yep. But, you know, how would you elect, how would you feel if your monarch or patriarch could live, you know, 300 years and they weren't a good ruler. Yeah. How you can't depose someone with that much power. You can't. How would you force someone like that out of power? Mm -hmm. It would be impossible with with having them have the tower behind. Exactly. Yep. That's exactly what I was just thinking. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. There's no way. And then on top of that, um, you're you're basically a puppet government. Yeah. You know, yeah, and, I mean, and that would be like the king being the pope, you know, like just. Yep. Or like, well, holy Ro- holy Roman emperors were generally chosen by the pope, if I remember correctly. So but that's I mean, all, that can also be considered a puppet. Oh, absolutely. No, 100%. I mean, it's one of the things that led to, like, the Reformation period and, like, Martin Luther and his, like, theses he's nailed on the church (laughs) door. Like, there's so much. That's one of the things that I love about, like, reading Robert Jordan and stuff is so often you can see where, like, little things tie into, like, real history and whatnot. Here we had, here in Germany, we had the Peasant Wars, and that's an area where... I'm living where, you know, the townsfolk stormed a castle and dragged the (laughs) nuns out of the castle and, you know, put them, yeah, would, like, drag them on parade, you know, like, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. But 
it's it's something that you would think makes total sense from Moiraine's perspective. Yeah. And something that I I just I want to segue into this because I think this is something that is not touched on when we get to Elaine. Mm-hmm. Because mm, good point. When I um, had got to you know her kind of politicking, um, it, it's actually um, Rob Malkieri talks and and uh, and um, Andraw the Bard of Time. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> They recorded the other day, and they were talking about Elaine, and I had messaged them while they were recording, and I'm like, yeah, I was totally expecting to there be, for there to be riots in the mm-hmm. streets when Egwene shows up and was like, oh, all right, well, I'm going to be the queen now, and she's a full Aes Sedai. Well, mm-hmm. at this point, she hadn't taken the test, but they don't know that. Yeah. So I expected, you know, for there to be a big you know, fights in the streets, you know, think of like on Game of Thrones where they're throwing like rotting fruit, you know, as <laughs> as <laughs> Joffrey is like getting wheeled about in his cart or whatever. Yeah. Or no, he's on a horse. But yeah, I expected, you know, the the townsfolk, the citizens of Andor to be pretty pissed off about this. I don't know. They, Weren't they like in like some cor- kind, of, kind of like like, they were in a place where they needed to be rescued, right? Yeah. And so Elaine, See, like, coming in and being the, Yes. Like... This is... No, sorry. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I just, like, Elaine coming in. And, I mean, this is what Elaine has been preparing for her entire life in a way that Moraine had not been. Like... Since Mm -hmm. Elaine has been a child, she has been told, this is your birthright. This is what you'll be coming to. And so so have the people of Andor. And so Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, I feel like they're already prepared. But I really like that lifespan issue that you bring up. Go ahead. Sorry. The thing is, the thing is, too, is the way that Morgays leaves Andor is not on good terms. So Elaine showing back up, I feel like, would have given them pause. Well, they did. Know? Didn't she kind of have to and go around and recruit, like, various yes, uh, yes. nobles to join her? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think this is, from what I hear other people talk about, one of many people's least favorite plot line from what they consider the slog in the books. <laughs> and, I, and I was thinking, you know, that... During the show, I don't think they can leave this out, but I think mm. they might need to expand on it a little bit more because, like you said, the country itself was in need. There mm-hmm. was so much shit going down. They're basically starving. Food's starting to go bad. Yeah. And you have Elaine come in, and I think what they need to do is show – how desperate people are right now because we see from our main characters like the food is starting to spoil mm-hmm. but all of our main characters are kind of in positions of power mm-hmm. so and they're Taviran so you know some of them they're like well that's weird our food's not spoiling <laughs> and we don't get you know a lot of perspective from the other people that aren't mm-hmm. in our main um, cast of characters yep. 
So I think they really have to show how desperate things have gotten and then really show, you know, how savvy Elaine is with her bargaining with the sea folk and just basically the sea folk are known for being these expert bargainers and they can basically trick you, you know, yep. three ways in one when you didn't when you you would have no idea that they were even pulling something over you. Yeah. But I think during the show, if they were able to incorporate how she outsmarts the wind folk mm-hmm. or the sea folk and she's got them working for her basically bringing in food and trade from outside of Andor and feeding the nation in mm-hmm. this time of need and then maybe something that might something that I was thinking that they could do this this might be we'll see tell me what you think about this okay <laughs> it's just an idea don't want to hear it but during kind of this part in Elaine's story she's kind of going off on these like crazy adventures still hunting the black Aja truth and a lot of people see these decisions and they're just like girl this was so dumb this was so bad like this was a terrible idea what were you thinking and she's like well men said that my babies are gonna be born fine and healthy and it's like yeah okay but for how long yeah like she could have had that vision and they're alive for five minutes after they're born you don't know how long yeah good point but I think instead of her maybe going off on these wild goose chases Mm -hmm. for the black Aja if instead maybe they start having you know like Trollocs attacking Mm. the city or something at some point earlier on than what we get in the books Mm -hmm. and like can you imagine like a nine month old pregnant, you know, Elaine like standing up on some battlement, like just like throwing, <laughs> raining down fireballs? Yes. And yes, I can. these townsfolk like seeing this pregnant woman just like raising hell and fighting for her country. And then they would be like, oh, yeah, like we love her, you know? Well, and I feel like that is the ruler that Elaine. Is she is and yeah, wants but- to be more than anything else. And I think the other thing about Elaine is that she would choose to step down at a certain time. I feel like yeah, I don't. And that was a point of one of Avienda's foretellings mm-hmm. is that one of Elaine's children will rule. I believe. Mm-hmm. And so I can see El- Elaine like stepping down, and you know, she's got other stuff that she could do. Oh like yeah, for sure. Making Angriol and yeah. Who knows what? Yeah. So, I mean, I I can see her staying in the position for as long as it would make sense for her to do so. I feel like with Maureen's situation, the the tower trying to put her on the throne, like, she, she sees all of the implications of where this is potentially going to go. And for her... Wrong. Yeah, yeah. For her, it's all bad news and she wants out. Um, right. And so I, I, the situations between Elaine and Moraine are dr- drastically different. Yeah, I would say so. But it's still, I, I just thought that was such a good point. It was like the lifespan issue because I hadn't, I hadn't ever thought about that. But you're, especially, you're so right. Yeah, especially like you said, like Elaine was brought up to be queen. Mm-hmm. It was never 
there is never a doubt in that. That's what the and whole she's like, nation. what? Barely twenty, like maybe <laughs> yeah. twenty. So like she's at the very beginning of her life too. Right. She's young and she's healthy. Like, yeah. And Moraine would be brought in from outside. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a you know big upset where people would be like, wait, what? Who? Mm-hmm. Her? I said I. Yeah, but I think I think Kyrian is expecting. Maureen to be stepping into the ring too and that's why there's that one guy who's like trailing her to the boat later on um but I think we could probably like we've been recording for an hour oh my gosh <laughs> so guess what <laughs> smoke break yes <laughs> okay all right I'm just gonna let everything run do you want me to call Me you too. yeah back and we're back and we're back. Our notes. Okay, so for 13, we don't have much. Let's, for yeah, 13, business in the city. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that one. I did have something written down here about that. Somewhere. I'm so bad. I have, I have notes on my phone. I have notes in my notebook. So I'm like, I know I wrote something down somewhere. Yeah, I have notes inside the book itself. I should probably mm. pick that up. I I would probably make some book lovers hate me with the amount that I write in my books. <laughs> it's bad. The only note we really have on this one is just the the comparison of Swan, who like was the daughter of a poor fisherman in Tyr, mm-hmm. and Moraine, who was raised in a palace and had all kinds of privilege and blah 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 of everything that she could have. I love how Swan's eyes almost like bulge at the fact of being given this much money. Yeah. She does she doesn't want to she thinks Moraine is crazy for spending Mm -hmm. that much on dresses and then she even gets upset for Moraine saying like, well let's pay for a ride into the city. And Mm -hmm. she's like, I don't want to spend this newfound wealth that I have. And it's really cute. And also, like, when uh, Maureen ends up schooling Swan on how she should be behaving with the dressmaker, like, (laughs) I thought it was really weird that the dressmaker didn't even, like, curtsy to to I Should I. She makes a very subtle kind of just, like, head nod. Which, I mean, it seems more, like, in line with, like, what royalty right. would do in response to an Aes Sedai and not a seamstress. Like, that really surprised it, me. I don't remember if we talked about that last time. I think time. we brought it up, and it almost makes me think of, like, how, I guess, if I had to compare it to something in our society, like, it could be, say, if you were, okay, if you were maybe, like, the crown prince of somewhere... But you ended up Mm -hmm. meeting, like, I don't know, like a famous musician or something. Someone that's so, has has such high regards because of their craft or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think of a really good example here. But that's hard because in the U.S. we don't have royalty. (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah. So if, you know, if the president met... Lady Gaga, 
Would Lady Gaga <laughs> bow to the president? I don't think so. Pretty sure no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that Lady Gaga is the celebrity you chose. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think of someone who anyone internationally would be able to, you know, recognize. I like Lady Gaga in American Horror Story. She does a really good job. Mm-hmm. Love American Horror Story. It's my favorite show. <laughs> I like. I love it. Dark and bloody. Apparently, <laughs> I've only watched a couple. I'm a baby. Some though. of them are real rough. Yeah, I'm a baby. I have yeah. nightmares. <laughs> I watched the. I watched the weirdest shit to fall asleep to though. Oh, like, me too. Do you know yeah. what puts me to um, sleep like a baby? Um, anything apocalyptic or like kaiju, like giant <laughs> monsters smashing cities, I can sleep like a baby. Is that weird? I don't know. <laughs> Godzilla, Cloverfield, any of those. Jaws, Jurassic Park, love it. <laughs> Going totally off topic. <laughs> Again, it's fine. Uh, chapter 14? Oh, no. Just one thing you had mentioned earlier yeah. is... Um, she, Moraine requested slashes in the dress, but mm, less slashes right. than she would. She had a right to wear. Right. And something mm-hmm. that I found when I was looking up Kyrie and nobles online is that within their country, they tend to favor only dark colors. So that makes it mm-hmm. that makes this so much more interesting, knowing that this dressmaker would know as a Kyrian lady that mm-hmm. her getting light colored gowns would be like a total diss mm-hmm. <laughs> and then yeah. um, so it says Kyrian and nobles tend to favor dark colors particularly black dark blue or green this mm-hmm. upper class wear clothing with narrow horizontal slashes of color that indicate their house the number of slashes across their chest and body reflect the rank of the wearer. So we don't know exactly how many she would have a right to wear, but I'm assuming mm-hmm. it's about as much as you possibly can have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I feel as though, like, there have been, like, times in the series where, like, the nobles have had to line up by rank. And, like, there's one moment in particular where I can remember where it's, like, the Tyrian nobility and the Kyrene, Kyrian nobility are all in the same room. And I think Rand directs them to, like, sort out by rank. And so I think it says, like, slashes down to their knees for some of them. Okay. I do love the clothing. I found a really good blog where they go deep mm. into detail of the fashion of these. Um... What? Yes. I'll send you a link to Ooh. it. Mm-hmm. Please. Yes. Do you know what it, do you know what it's no, called? No, but I know that I'll be able to find it. Yeah. But I love what people will find to deep dig into. Oh my gosh. The amount of detail on this blog, like my head wanted to explode. It had to have been <laughs> hours and hours and hours of research. It's amazing. Dang. Um Bravo to whoever's doing yeah. that. Something else that I was thinking about, too, is in, um, I think it's also in Andor, but don't the servants also wear something called fillery? 
Livery. Livery. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're livery. welcome. Livery. <laughs> Do you know what that means? That's something that I read a million times but just never thought to look up. So, and I, this is historic as well. Nobility like to differentiate their servants based off of what they wear. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it would be a specific style of dress. Uh, one of the ones that comes to mind is when... Um, Elaine and Nynaeve end up going into the palace to save Amathera and they end up wearing like these white dresses with like a green tree on it or whatever. So like this distinguishes who they are in the and, like, household. what job they do. And what job they would have and what kind of responsibilities they would have okay. and what house they would belong to. Okay. So, so like, it would it be like you... a symbol with a, you know, color or... Mm-hmm. Or a, a particular style of dress. That's the one that comes to mind. I think, like, one of the things that I also just read, like, parents going through the palace in Andor, where they're still waiting for, like, Elaine to show up and take the throne, and Rand is basically kind of ruling, and mm-hmm. the livery, like, the servants start don't, wearing they all black. They don't know what to wear. <laughs> and so they just put on black, because it seems like it's, Rand's color and so like servants it seems like in the way that the the series is written the servants like to have that identity that structure Um, their own kind of social status exactly um so yeah that's how like that's how I would think of livery and like examples that I can think of that show up throughout the series thank you for clarifying oh you're welcome you're my google right now (laughs) (laughs) chapter 14 no no (laughs) (laughs) yeah chapter 14 chapter 14 changes seriously like that's so good it's so good so i like I liked in this one, it's the Festival of Lights. There are so many festivals in this series, and I love that they do that, like, or that Robert Jordan does that, that he writes in these festivals. Like, I just got through the section when they're all in Ibu Dar, and they have, like, one they're... festival right after the other, and was the Festival of the Birds, and they, like, I love that wear Th- feathers. I love that Thailand's son has kind of attached himself to Matt at this point. Right. Because he's ta- tavi- ta- <laughs> Taviran. Ta- Taviran. Ta- I don't know. <laughs> However you want to say it. And I almost get the point that Matt is kind of like, oh, like, I found myself a friend. And this guy's like, no, man. Like, shit goes crazy when you're around. I want to get into fights. <laughs> and poor Matt's just like, this is the worst time ever. Yeah, and how, like, Bes- is it Beslan, uh, Queen Thailand's son, when he's like, I'm glad that she's made you her new pretty or whatever he calls her. Like, he knows that his mom is like, I know. Cringe. You know what? I got through that section. I have not read that in section in a while. And I definitely, this is my first time reading it. This is, I almost hesitate to say this, but this is my first time reading it after the Me Too movement. Where, mm-hmm. like, we have been... There's so much... There's such a bigger awareness for this type of stuff now. Yeah, like, for, for sexual assault. And, I mean, Thailand literally sexually assaults Matt with a dagger. Yeah. Like, repeatedly. It's awful. And I'm just like... Like, I hadn't... 
Yeah. I was like, does that? It's so cringy. It's it's one of it's one of the first things that I think I've read in the Wheel of Time series that feels as though it has altered drastically because of social movements that are happening right now. Um, for me personally, anyway. Um, and I don't I don't think that Robert Jordan would have maybe seen it that way when he was writing it. Like, there's almost like this air of a strong woman taking what she wants and her behaving the way that Matt would behave if Matt were a bit more smarmy. Like, I don't see. I don't know. I mean, I I guess the only way that I look at it is that he Robert Jordan is an older man. He's Mm -hmm. different generation than us. And I just think in his time, what he wrote was pretty progressive Mm -hmm. but things are a lot different now (laughs) you know (laughs) agreed yeah and I mean I don't like I don't hate it I'm not angry at it like it's just more an observation of something that hadn't really been in my mind when I read it like the first two or three times I read that book and you can make observations like this with so many different you know Mm -hmm. works of literature that are just that are just not you know not from today, so mm-hmm. yeah. it's not like you shouldn't read the books or something. And I think for the most part, the majority of people who read it feel the same way as we do. I'm sure there are people that don't, but mm-hmm. from from what I've seen when there when I have seen discussions about it, it seems to pretty much everyone is kind of unanimously like, yeah, that's kind of, <laughs> yeah. That's a bit rough there. That's a bit rough. So festivals. <laughs> <laughs> Back to festivals. I was like, how did we get here? Yeah. Uh, so as Moraine is watching, like there are people who are lighting up all of the windows of, the White Tower, regardless of whether or not the rooms are occupied. Um, and did you put this in here? Or did I put this in here? I did. It was a quote. Mm-hmm. And it was, Chambers unused for centuries. The White Tower was dwindling, and she could not see what was to be done about it. But then, if woman who had worn the shawl for 200 years or more could find no solution, why should she be able to? Mm-hmm. And we don't see this type of concern until Egwene in the gathering storm, where mm-hmm. she's, you know, bringing in the kin and women that should technically not be strong enough in the power, but she still wants them affiliated with the tower. If you can channel just a drop, she wanted them. Mm-hmm. She wanted to fill all of those rooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I do I do think that there is throughout the series still an observance and an awareness that, like, their numbers are lacking. And, like, when they start lifting the age, like, especially once the Aes Sedai get to Saladar and they start, like, hunting around them and lifting the age requirement and mm-hmm. they just get all of these novices coming in they, cu- that they are show like, up with their own army like by the yeah. time they get close to the white tower when they're outside of Tarvalin, they have an army of Aes Sedai basically and mm-hmm. they've got their camp set up and they're holding classes and they're teaching right there in the campgrounds and she's just mm-hmm. you know she's made her own She's made her own tower, basically. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And this so is this I, is one of the things that I love about Egwene because, mm-hmm. and it's and this right here. I mean, it's just it's one little paragraph, but it's something that has such a huge part of the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, that's another. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna say I think that that's one of the things that Robert Jordan does really well is plant little seeds. throughout his writing and like that's what makes the Mm rereading so enjoyable is like there I feel like there are always these little things to uncover and these nuances that I didn't catch the last time so yeah and they're they're doing it to themselves like they're creating this emptiness themselves by turning away women who don't meet their ridiculous standards for being an Aes Sedai. Right, and that makes and, me wonder, when did these requirements start? Or was yeah. something changed? Or is this another one of, you know, meddling by the Black Aja? Is this hmm. something that came beforehand? So where, you know, where did these stipulations and requirements come from? Mm-hmm. If anyone knows. Yeah, because that's a really good question. Because, I mean, why are these the tests? Why are things that could potentially kill the initiate the test? Because it's interesting that some of the accepted or the novices get sent out for being too weak in the power. Mm-hmm. Yet more gaze was able to keep a serpent ring, mm-hmm. serpent ring, even though she could just barely create a flame mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. So obviously it's more gaze. She's a queen. I guess that comes with a little bit more. <laughs> you get a little bit more in yeah. that situation. <laughs> but so, I mean, it can't it, it seems like there there's always a counter where they have these rules in place, mm-hmm. but. It doesn't seem like it's always custom, you know? Yeah. Like things can be adjusted as they feel it's needed to be. The tower is just full of contradictions. (laughs) I I agree. (laughs) And the word I feel like I use most often when we talk about it is cruel. Like I I definitely want to talk about what happens with Elid. Elid, Yes. Because that just like caused an ache in my heart. Um but yeah, the I, only thing that we had before that was Swan trying to bring Shiriam into the inner circle with Moraine. Oh my and... god, can you imagine what would have happened? <laughs> and Moraine is just like, no, she's a huge gossip. Mm-hmm. Like, we can't do that. Maybe not. Silly pants. So, yeah, that was a big bullet dodged in this situation. Mm-hmm. And then we get straight into the um, Elid mystery mm-hmm. and that's the thing so Elid went into the to Angriol for the test mm-hmm. and she doesn't come back out so we know that she wanted warders and she wanted to be in the green Aja mm-hmm. and at this point we know that there are a lot of black Aja sisters in the tower. We don't know who was present for Elid's test. Mm-hmm. But this is I feel like this is one of the big moments where we are starting to see 
conspiracy play out. Mm -hmm. And maybe this was just an unfortunate coincidence. It's totally possible. But there's so many other things that are going on where it, I think it's supposed to make you question. And it goes right along with the fact that the tower is by no means full. It's emptying out. There's not enough sisters. Mm -hmm. And here they are like, <laughs> oh, we lost one in the Ta'angriol. Yeah, and that they, sucks. They, I guess we just won't ever talk about her again. Yes. I mean, that's just it. Is like, I think it says in the book that the tower doesn't like to announce its failures. And so they have right. like. And how perfect of a cover is that? You could have anyone killed in the Ta'angriol during the test and they'll just never talk about it. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. It's. The perfect crime. Yeah. Because, I mean, that Tarangriol and the tests that are inside it are designed by the sisters sitting around it. And we already know that when Swan and Moraine both, like, I'm fairly certain there was at least one black sister involved in the testing of them when they went into the Tarangriol. So there's no reason to think that that didn't happen when Elid went through it, too. Right. And, I mean, she's not talked about very often in the book and I mean really Moraine doesn't like her all that much but she at least when the moment happens like does what she can to grieve for this young woman like mm -hmm. the I think it says in the book the beautiful accepted who wanted to become a green failed to come out of the Tarangriol and it's so simple and it's so sad and it was just like it made me angry that they didn't act like it was a big deal that a woman had died trying to attain this high standard that they have. But then it mm -hmm. also, like, they have, like, the these rapid tests coming in. So Moraine right. Swan. Wait, but before we get there, okay. I just want to, yeah. because we had talked in an earlier episode about what happens to these mm. characters when they disappear or are killed within... That's right the Tarangriol. Mm -hmm. And our buddy Josh from the Black Tower podcast has a really fun theory about that. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to read it out real quick. So his theory is, um, and he says, my theory stems from when Rand and the Dark One are we uh, weaving new realities while battling each other. It describes Rand as weaving thousands of strands to create new realities. Well, the three rings are kind of a reality loom. When the power is applied, it weaves a reality. When the power fades, there's nothing holding that reality together. So it unravels and dissipates just like the false realities Rand and the Dark One wove at the last battle. And I really like this because mm -hmm. it's not it's based on something that we actually see happening. So it's not, you know, it's not out of just left field. And it's a really kind of, it, it reminds me of, you know, Hopper and the wolf dream. Once you're killed within this woven reality type situation, mm -hmm. you've never, basically never existed, I guess, or you're just gone forever and that's that. Yeah. It's a really interesting situation. And what I thought was kind of interesting is that, I wonder if that has something to do with the tradition of having more than one channelers, like these women that kind of are the architects of the test mm -hmm. that are creating these, you know, obstacles. 
I wonder if that has something to do with the fact that there needs to be more than one there because obviously they want to make it harder for the participant, but do we know how many people it would take to kind of activate this because Mm -hmm. it's not just would it even work if it was just one person trying to create these scenes or something it's kind of a cool little um, mystery and we don't really get to figure out how that works but Mm -hmm. I like that it's left open-ended to the point where we can we get to discuss these things Mm -hmm. and theorize over them and if you don't know Josh from the Black Tower podcast, they have a YouTube channel. And I was just telling Tracy that I really like their Dumai's Wells episode. I'm going to check it so, out. Yeah, go check those guys out. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then you can continue on with the quote here because this gets really cool. Sisters began to talk of resurgence in the tower with so many passing for the for the shawl in so short a time, and perhaps another one or two who might very soon. By custom, none spoke of Elid, but Moraine thought of her. One woman dead and three raised to the shawl in the space of two weeks, but the only novice to test for accepted in that time had failed and been sent away, and not one name was added to the novice book, while above 20 novices too weak ever to reach the shawl were put out. Wow. Right? One woman dead and three raised to the shawl in the space of two weeks. So that's basically unheard of. Yeah, it's pretty fast. What it made me think of is there two frac- factions going head to head here where some are trying to get more women to mm. the shawl fast while another group is trying to lower the numbers and mm-hmm. like counter that because we know the mistress of novice is Black Aja. Yes. Fucking Black Aja. The mistress of novices, wouldn't she not be responsible for... The recommendations. Deciding, yeah, deciding, oh, they're too weak, bye, or, you know... I think you're onto something, because um, Maureen Underhill, I believe, is the name of the mistress of the novices at this time, who's Black Aja. And if I'm not mistaken, the woman who is brought up after I don't I actually think it's not this particular mistress of novices but I feel as though there are at least two other mistress of novices that come from the black aja that come to mind right now and one of them is Sherium and I think the other one is Katarine for a short period of time maybe she was with Galena Casbin okay. at Dumai's Wells and blah 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 I think that's who it is I, I think you're absolutely right there, there's Black Aja running around pulling strings. That how many keepers at this point have been Black Aja? Like, how does it? How do they always end up being keepers? Yeah, and I mean, like, I <laughs> is that a requirement? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. And it it makes so much sense to have them be the keeper and not the Amarillin, because like if shit goes down, sure, there's a possibility that both of them will be taken down, like Swan and Leanne were. But in this, like, in particular, I'm thinking, like, Aleda and Alvira and, and their relationship. And, like, I just got to that part in, I think, the last book where Aleda is woke, or woken up by uh, Alvira to tell her, like, all of the oh, bad God. shit that goes down. And then basically, like, gives her the 
SmackDown is like, you are currently my bitch and will do all of the things that I tell you to do. Um, and by the way, one of the Forsaken gives me all of my orders. She doesn't actually say that, but I mean, that is what's happening is like Alviren is under strict instructions. It's Masana, right? Who's in the tower, who's like leading the. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. like Alviren is now basically pulling the strings for Aleda. And there's your, like, there's your black Aja right there. And she, like, points out that if shit goes down, it's going to hit Aleda hard. Because, like, these were her decisions. And everybody knows she's basically a tyrant. So, like, if she's going to go down, she's going to go down more than likely on her own. And Alviren could potentially benefit from ousting her. And I think Alviren, like, right. thinks about making that happen. Okay, so the the mistress of novices currently, while this is going on, is M- Marine Redhill, right? Redhill, yes. I think I said Underhill. Mm-hmm. Okay, but we don't. But she's not. No, she is. She is. She's Black she Aja. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then later on, Shiriam. And I feel like there's at least one. I feel like there's at least one more when Aleda is. Uh, Amarillin, who gets raised from, or who gets brought in from the red, and I want to say it's Kettering. That makes an even, you know, bigger problem for the Black Aja if Tamara is trying to bump up the numbers. Mm-hmm. That could be one of the reasons they get rid of her. On top of the fact that she knows about the prophecy. Yep. So poor Tamara has two things going against her. Yeah. I wonder if she knew. Do you think she knew or suspected? Like everybody. I feel like she would. Yeah. But maybe this is because we we don't get to see what happens before this. Mm -hmm. So we as the reader, we have no idea. But it's I, I mean, it's very possible that she had an inkling that something was going on if the numbers are so low right now mm-hmm. and you would think that being the Amerlin, you would you would have to have kind of your own little spy network going on as well because she's a blue so you would assume that she's got a pretty good you know network set up mm-hmm. well swan does like when it's right. when it becomes time for Swan to be Emerald, and like that's one of the things that she brings with her to Saladar is like she had right. her own private network of eyes and mm-hmm. ears that reported only to her, and she right. had been head of the blue, like the blue right. Aja's eyes and ears. But that's the thing that the blue Aja excelled in mm-hmm. is this eyes and ears network. So you would think that Tamara would have a pretty, she would have a good chance at kind of knowing some of these things. Mm-hmm. I don't know. In my opinion, anyways. It just seems as though, like, there's always this resistance of Aes Sedai to accept the fact that the Black Aja exists, even when it's, like, in literally in their face. And they are seeing, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. like in the, the end of Crown of Swords where uh, Elaine and Nynaeve and their group of the kin capture one Black sister and... Then the other Aes Sedai that are at the Terrison Palace, like, have to encounter this woman who is, like, this thing that they have denied exists as much as Mm -hmm. they possibly can. Um, Yeah, it almost makes them sick. Their heads want to explode by the thought, like, no, this could never happen. Yeah. This can't be. So, like, part of, 
I think there's always that possibility that it's something that she would have thought of, but maybe not have gone after it the same way that Swan later on ends up going after the Black Aja. But then again, Swan and Moraine have a different experience with the Black Aja. Like they're, they, there are things that I know are coming up soon in New Spring that I think are going to like really help us understand how they put their foot mm-hmm. on that path of also like it's not just the dragon reborn that they're trying to find it's the black aja that they're they have to be wary of you know like they mm-hmm. have to be on guard at all times because they know it exists so i can definitely see swan being more into it and uh maybe she's proactive. the one that makes the first yeah maybe she's the one that's the first to really put it together and that's where her story starting out as mm-hmm. you know helping with the eyes and ears network is going to come into play maybe she is good at puzzles she... right right <laughs> maybe she's the one that puts it all together yeah maybe Tamar tamara had had didn't have a clue <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah but yeah it's just heaps of accepted are being tested is it a conspiracy why is this going on your guess is as good as ours no kidding <laughs> If you have a guess, let us know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and then, obviously, Tamara is die. Tamara dies in her sleep, as we are told. No, she. I mean, come didn't. on, come on, guys. <laughs> How dumb was she? Think like, we are? was she three hundred years old or not? <laughs> we know that they. I just, I don't believe it. Mm-mm. No. no, but so now they have a new, they have a new, um, Amarillo seat. Let's mm-hmm. see here. And there's a new keeper and a new mistress of novices. And Duhara is the name of the new keeper. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she's Black Aja. Yep. Yeah. And like, I like, so this, this new Amarillo, what is her name? Siren, yeah, Siren, yeah. So Siren is from the Gray and has Duhara. She's kind of a a terrible person. Okay, yeah, but I just read over this that section where Alviren is like, "Lady, you'll do what I tell you to do." And like one of the things that she directs her to do is to go after three sisters who have done these minor offenses like i think one of them has been holding on to an angriel without permission or whatever and Mm -hmm. so like alviran tells leda you're gonna go and like search these women's apartments and then you're going to have them birched in the main public square which is exactly what this Sierran person does who has a black aja as a sister so was Sierra just did it come from the keeper? Exactly. So maybe Siren isn't a dick, even though she's doing these really like, they birch these women. They create a barrier to block their screams from getting outside the tower. This is such a painful thing to do. So I it's just I'm like, is this? Yeah, something that's that, a like, really good point. Maybe Sierran isn't that bad of a person. Yeah. And she's just maybe Duhara, being manipulated. Yeah, maybe Duhara was really fast at getting into Sierran's head and like was able to bully her into doing these really awful things. 
Maybe she was compulsed. We don't know. Oh, yeah, good point. I didn't even think about compulsion. And what a good way to make sure that no more news is getting out of the tower than to get rid of all of these postal, or is it like postal workers, people that are mm, All the clerks. The, yeah. All the clerks mm-hmm. is completely making sure that there are no more eyes on the inside of the tower. Mm-hmm. So, And the fact that all would, of the men, it was like the men were removed and even though Siren is a gray and probably doesn't have anything against women or men, her keeper comes from the red. So Mm -hmm. like a red sister coming in and being like, I just don't want to see this many men. Yeah. Like just, so yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Fucking black Aja. They're everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) But really, seriously, I feel like I'm always on a black Aja hunt. I'm like, are you black Aja? (laughs) What kind of shit have you done? No, that's a really great point about the keeper being black. Maybe it maybe it's compulsion. Maybe. Because that who would who would get rid of all the men? Mm -hmm. A red a red red Aja sister. (laughs) Obviously. Like, that doesn't sound like something a gray would do. Um let's see here. Yeah, we kind of fast forward to Moraine just saying, deuces, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) She does such a good job of it, too. Like, she's so prepared. She's so focused. And she's just on her way. And She's over it. She's tired of getting bullied into this whole Sun Throne plot. Mm -hmm. And she's not having it. Nope. Totally done. So Moraine makes her escape. Mm-hmm. And how perfect is it that Swan is now basically second in command of the Blues Eyes and Ears, Ears. Network? Uh-huh. So I'm just wondering, is Swan going to cover for Moraine? Mm-hmm. Is she somehow going to be able to get word out to her through contacts? Yeah. Because I feel like at some point, between now and Eye of the World, Moraine will have to be back at the tower. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because Lan has to train as a warder and she has to get her staff on Griol thing. Mm-hmm. But I just, I kind of wonder, you know, what the repercussions are going to be for Moraine leaving like this. Off. Yeah. yeah. And how. This is going to affect her relationship with Swan, mm-hmm. how they are going to be able to keep in contact with each other while mm-hmm. this is going on, how they're going to be able to work together because, you know, they're both working for the same outcome at this point. Mm-hmm. I would imagine Swan would find a way through the eyes and ears since she's got her hands on it. Yeah. Like, I imagine that she would be able to receive and send messages to Maureen without people knowing. That would be my guess. Um, And in Eye of the World, Maureen shows up certain places and she has a code name Mm -hmm. that people are calling her Lady So-and-so. I forget the name. Mistress Alice, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I almost feel like, okay... Maybe these are women that 
needs to one put her in contact with mm. like a safe house type situation yeah like they've been that were loyal been to the tower yeah yeah <laughs> these people are good people go stay with them and I mean right. it does it does seem as though like the places that she's gone and stayed at like the people have been I mean really loyal people like right, right. I think I think in particular like Basil Basil Gill the mm-hmm. uh, innkeeper who like ends up following Morgase and who had mm-hmm. also been like the innkeeper when uh, Moraine and the Emmons Field people came through and stayed at his inn like I love it when mm-hmm. characters like that just keep kind of showing up so yes, I mean if yes, if yes. Swan had vet had like vetted Basil Gill thumbs up well done. Right, right. Because how, I mean, how adorable would that be if you got to see, like, Swan on the other end, like, making sure that her girl is taken care of. Exactly. she's in a safe place. Yeah. just, that's something I could see her doing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. I love that idea. (laughs) And, too, she's in a position where she can destroy evidence, so. Also true. Yeah. Also true. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see. Like, I I just, I really wish there was more. Well, we still have, what, 14, there are 23. We have eight, nine more, nine more chapters to go. That's it. Yeah, I know, right? Isn't that crazy? And we've got other things coming up in between. Like, we're not going to be just doing solely uh, New Spring recaps. We've got some ideas for other stuff as well. Um but yeah, we only have like nine more chapters to go. <laughs> Actually, you know what? That's a really great segue to like move over to our Twitter interactions if you're ready for it. <laughs> or the next topic, which is morning customs. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to do that. I completely skipped over that. I'm so sorry. Um, no, it's Okay. <laughs> Uh, it was just morning customs observations. So this is interesting because this is the first time that we see a funeral mm-hmm. in within the tower and we get to see the white Aja wearing their black ribbons. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that was really cute. Because everyone else wears um, either like ri- white ribbons in white. their hair or white white clothing or white tied ribbons to their mm-hmm. sleeves and stuff. And Maureen wears that one dress that she ends up burning after she's done wearing it. Um, well, light sky blue to the point of being almost white. That's mm-hmm. more accurate. Um, and I think you had put this next one in. I don't recognize it. Oh, I already read that one. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, when we were talking about Elid, mm, I think that's perfect. I think that's why, like, I am off is that I did not organize our notes very well. I told no, you. it's fine. It's a, it's been a, it's totally been a week. Fine. It's been a week. So would you want to get into Twitter interactions? Yeah, let's go to the Twitter, Twitter thing. <laughs> okay. So these were our Twitter interactions based around New Spring that Tracy had brought up at the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. And the question was basically, you know, have you read New Spring? What did you think? Yeah. You know? Why did you read it or why didn't you read it? And it was <laughs> it was so fun to read, like, all of the reactions to this. And so I just pulled, 
I just went and like pulled some screenshots and put them into our Google Doc to go through it. Can I read the first one? Yes. Yeah. Should I read the name too? Yeah, I think so. Mandy Gold said I. Are there Wheel of Time fans who haven't read it? Is that a thing? That would be weird. (laughs) Love it. I loved this one. I actually, when I replied to uh, this particular comment, I mentioned that I've been kind of an on-again, off-again Jordan fan and that this is my first time reading it, even though it's been out like forever. And so I was like, I am one of those like weird people where this is like my first time my first time reading it. The next one that I put in here is Michael T. Johnson. I should have like done this so I could have gotten like there at whatever. But his comment is didn't read and didn't read it until my second read through. I like it and it informed a lot about Moraine and Land's past. But I would 100% remove it from existence if I could go back in time and convince R.J. to write the prequel about Tam and Carrie. Just saying. <laughs> and I was do we, like, we don't. We don't have to cancel it though. Couldn't you just do both? Yeah, just do just do both. <laughs> just do more. Oh. Yeah. I, no, that would be so nice to get more background on Tam. Just I I love Tam. Tam's the man. Well, I and to know that there was supposed to be at least two more prequels that were going to move so in that if direction. So there were two. Mm-hmm. It would have been one on Tam and Carrie. What would the other one have been? I don't remember. I don't remember. I feel like there's I th- feel like there the third one has like a specific something attached to it but I honestly Baron? don't remember. <laughs> that would be cool seeing the background of that. Uh, a Vera novella. That's what we need to do yeah. is create a little That would be perfect. Oh my god, that'd be so good. I'm going to start working on that right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so the next one is from Vitri Kumaran. I hope I pronounced your name right. If not, I'm sorry. Mhm. I have read a few chapters, but then I stopped. I'm scared to face the end of the Wheel of Time journey. I'll read a few chapters once in every five years. (laughs) (laughs) I felt this one so hard. Because that's what you did with the ending of... I still haven't completely finished it. Like, I know how it ends because I've spoilered it enough for myself that, like, I know what's coming. But, like, just getting to that end, I'm I'm waiting until I'm going through this particular read-through to, like, finally read to the end of it. But I think it will have been roughly five years since the last time I read through the series. Because I feel like I did it when Arthur was really young or while I was pregnant with him. I don't remember. But, yeah, I just – I felt that one so hard. Um, and then, I feel it. Yeah. Like, totally understandable. And I love that because there were several people that had that same – reaction just don't want to get to the end because then it's over exactly so the gray warder and this uh she also has a podcast uh, that's podcast of the dragon i haven't had a chance to check it out yet but i hope too soon maybe other people can check it out and let me know what they think of it let her know what they think about it but her comment was i love new spring i think it's a great bit of writing and gives RJ a chance to show some inner workings of the tower that he otherwise could not have, as well as fill an interesting incidental background info on the world at large. I personally recommend reading it after book five. Okay. Yeah, and like I I like to comment because that's one of the things that we've been seeing inside it and talking about it as well, and I always love it when other people, like, when opinions align. I like it when that happens. The next one is from Egwene Smear. There are so many That's good an awesome Twitter name. names. 
Love it. She wrote, because I was curious, the first time it frustrated me as I expected better pacing from a shorter book. On reread, I was fanatically checking for hints or foreshadowing, etc. of Moraine and Land's fate. Yep. And this this reminded me of how I'm always on a black Aja hunt. Like I'm always looking fanatically for, checking. Yeah, for I'm hints. like, who's who's doing this? Who's doing this next thing? Uh, so that one really like. There were just so many comments where I was like, yes, I feel the same way. And the, the next-, next name is really cute, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's Tabby Excited for Wheel of Time, and it's W-O-T. Uh, I read it because I'm a sucker for completion. Also, Moraine. And I was like... Hard eyes. Hard eyes. <laughs> Me, too. Me, too. Who's not a sucker for more? Who's not a sucker for completion and Moraine? Right? I get it. Okay, the next one was from Ebony Adomanis. Or Adomanis? Sorry if I pronounced that wrong. I have read it a few times. I always recommend that it's read in publication order for new readers. It gives you a nice break from the main story, but keeps you engaged with the characters. And that's, I really like that take on it, to read it in publication order because Mm -hmm. what you usually see is I think somewhere between books three and five Mm -hmm. I like that's a really fresh idea on it because Mm -hmm. it's so commonly put more towards the beginning but I think too if you read it before you know the last so if you got it if you read New Spring, you've only got four more left afterwards. That would be a nice kind of break mm-hmm. to, you know, I kind of like that. Yeah. I like that idea, Ebony. Yeah. Revisiting the beginning before getting yeah. to the ending. Yeah. Good placement. That was actually one of the reasons why I put it in there was that I liked the suggestion of the place for it. And I like that people have different opinions about when in the series mm-hmm. to read it, in particular for first time readers. Um, I know my husband and I had a discussion about where he should start since he's like, he's on book three now. And he was like, well, should I start with the prequel or should I start with book one? And I was like, book one, like personal (laughs) opinion, like just jump in with book one, do it. Cause I, I agree with that. I loved it. Uh, and then our next, uh, comment is from Marin Alvier. Oh, Um, I love her. I know. Right. And (laughs) I just loved this. She's, she said, I read it a couple months ago, or maybe last year. Time has no meaning right now. I enjoyed it, and it gave some fun backstory. <laughs> Marin Alvier, I feel you. Exactly. I was like, mm-hmm. Was it yesterday? A year know. ago? Maybe. Time has no meaning. Not anymore. It just, my, the favorite thing that I have heard came from one of my friends, and she was like, every day is Blur's Day. And I was like, yeah, yep. And like the things that'll come out like on memes or like someone's like, it's Mm -hmm. October 257th, you know, like. (laughs) What is time anymore? Because I do. I definitely feel that way. Yeah. Like every day is so similar to the day before. So I loved, I just loved that comment. I bet that's a very, um, I bet that's happening a lot more often. (laughs) right now you know what yeah especially if you're somebody who works from home or and I mean I I stay home and I I watch my six-year-old I hang out with him and I like work on podcast stuff and have days that are really busy and full and I love that but they all kind of feel like the same day over and over again because 
we don't really do anything. Like our maximum amount of excitement is the occasional target run to pick up prescriptions that I can't have delivered. <laughs> <laughs> and now that it's starting to get colder out, I just have a feeling that people are going to be inside their homes even more. I know. It's... Like I was looking at the weather for the upcoming weeks and I'm like, I need to have a, a soup night soon. Like I need Ooh. to just plan a weekend and like stagger a group of friends somehow and like, because, I mean, normally this time of year, that's what I do. Like, I have pumpkin events and I have chili nights and, you know, and now it's like, will we be able to do that? So, anyway, thank you, Marin. I feel you on not knowing where we are in the world of time. <laughs> it's crazy right now. We're in our own, what age are we in? Exactly. No, no clue. <laughs> Some call it the third age. <laughs> There's been discussion. <laughs> uh, okay, our next one. <laughs> these names are great. Snarky Spice. Snarky Spice. Rose, parentheses. Mm -hmm. I started to, but I was so relieved to finally finish the series, I couldn't bring myself to read New Spring. It's such an intense and in-depth writing style, and I wanted something more junk food style and easy to digest. I loved that. I totally... I totally get that. Mm -hmm. And I think, too, the only time that I ever really felt like that was when I was getting through maybe books 10 and 11. Mm -hmm. I hit that. I hit that point at about like book eight and nine. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. they, they It all blends together. Mm -hmm. It really <laughs> does. It's, but when you get. I would I would say like I've read this series on my neck and in some ways it's really weird to read it that way because you don't really feel a big separation from one book to the next book like it's just like a quick mm. find it on your your device and you're immediately into the next book and so it's it's a bizarre way of of getting through yeah. it yeah 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 anyway so I think we can should we go ahead and just wrap it up yeah i think we can like go from here to our wrap up and outro just real quick thanks to everybody who like interacted with uh, that twitter comment it was super fun yes. and it's something that we hope to do more often is just like engage with people so thank you thank you for taking the time to like leave messages and tell us how you feel about new spring and moraine, moraine and land because we've had a lot of fun going through the book um but i think that I think that brings us to the end. We're done. <laughs> Donezo. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us on this stretch of the road to Tarvalin. We will continue to release new episodes every Wednesday and hope that you continue to join us. We would love it if you would subscribe to our podcast, leave us reviews, and share us with your friends and the Wheel of Time community. Next week, we are going back to our two-chapter episode recap was kind of a lot and mm. we have an upcoming episode that we want to be able to dig into for some research time so let us know what you thought of our content correct us send us things we may have missed to our email road to tarvalin at gmail.com you can find us on twitter amber is at road to tarvalin and i am at mistress laris we are all on one Instagram. Word. All one word. Thank you. I always forget <laughs> to point that out. Uh, we are on Instagram, Road to Tarvalin. And if you have the Anchor app, you can leave us a voice message. You can also do that from Spotify, I realized, today mm. or yesterday. Like, Spotify and Anchor are connected. Um, so you can also leave us a voice message through there. We love to get messages like that. We've got one mm. that we're, like, holding on to for next episode, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, 
So yeah, leave us a message if you feel comfortable. If you don't, you can always just send us a message and we can read it yeah. on, on the podcast. Oh yeah, and we have a new Discord channel. We forgot to mention that. We mentioned it at the beginning. Did we? Did mm-hmm. we talk about it? That was a long time ago. That was a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even remember what age we're in. <laughs> Not even slightly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so we have that. We have our new Discord channel. Um, <laughs> and really, guys, if I could bake you all cookies, I would. Because <laughs> all I want to do right now is bake. It is the season. <laughs> that's all the I have season. to Tis the season for lots of KitchenAid use. I think that wraps us up, right? Yeah. Until next week. Thanks for joining us. Safe travels. And And walk walk in the light. light. Goodbye. Bye. We're all done. Done.